Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. What's up, nerds? As always, I'm your host, Nicholas. Thank you for tuning in to the Nerds Who Live podcast. Today's a little different. We don't have any guests today. It's just me, me, myself, I, you, thou, thy, however you want to say it. And today it's not going to be too long, but I actually do want to cover more of a hypothesis that I have, some anecdotal evidence, what I found, and then even open up the conversation, hopefully after this, for people to reach out and give me their experiences. So I have a theory of what is of what I want to say is an oversaturation or a flooding of your androgen receptors. Now, for those who don't know, or perhaps you're new to the powerlifting world, or perhaps you're a powerlifter and you're natty, you don't know too much about gear or anabolics, that anabolics are accessed in the body through your androgen receptors, so androgenic androgen receptors. Those are the receptors that intake and process those hormones. We have receptors for all of our hormones, and Obviously, these are those. So for those who take exogenous hormones, these receptors are key. Like anything in the body, they can be overused, uh, overstimulated, oversaturated. And so the idea that keeping them, just like you want to keep your insulin sensitivity high, androgen receptor, receptor sensitivity at a high point or very sensitive, very clean, so to speak, a quote unquote clean, uh, would result in better and more efficacious absorption and use of those anabolics that that person is choosing to use to get the most out of it. Now, for most gear use, the name name of the game if you're going to do exogenous hormones is the minimum amount for the maximum effect. Now, that's different for everybody. With androgen receptors, uh, if you actually start to like read in the papers, people with androgen receptors, genetically, everyone is different. Some people have a lot of androgen receptors, naturally, and hence they're you know, freaks. And then you have other people who have lower amount of androgen receptors. You can see me, you can see me waving my hand because I'm definitely one of those. So it's just different. The idea, though, that with your androgen receptors, if you can keep them clean or you can keep them sensitive, you know, you basically make the most out of what you it actually does play into, uh, for those who are natty and natural folk, because better androgen receptor sensitivity means better absorption for your own HGH, your own hormones, like all, all of that. So it does in play, or I'm sorry, it does play into better for everybody, really. Now, I'm going to now take a step back to kind of cover the families, because they will tie in later to my hypothesis. And, but I do want to kind of give some context to the different types of families that are in the steroid, you know, world. So steroids were actually originally based obviously on synthetic testosterone. So synthetic testosterone is the first family and there are three for exogenous anabolic androgenic hormones. Testosterone being the first, it then after this was made, of course, science says what science does, they tried to refine and improve upon it. 
And then testosterone, the synthetic testosterone, was expanded upon to different, uh, again, uh, I guess sub-compounds that were, they built upon for different tissue selectivity. Um, different derivatives of testosterone include equipoise, or EQ, Dianabol, or D-ball, halotestin, halo, or turnabol, or T-ball. And of course, these have obviously bigger, longer uh, pharmacokinetic names, but those are the common ways that you'll hear them. So those are your testosterone derivative compounds. So they belong to that family. Now in that, as I mentioned, science will improve upon, well, science. So testosterone really is the most primitive of, you know, the anabolic compounds in terms of it was like the most straightforward. So they took that and then they decided to, well, let's build upon it. Let's make a more uh, tissue selective. And tissue selective essentially just means that it's, these hormones are, they're, they're made to focus on uh, the anabolic side. So you have anabolic side, which is going to be like muscle mass performance, androgenic side, androgenic is going to be uh, characteristics. So deepening of voice, facial hair, etc. So one is more of the traits physically, and the other one is more of the, I, guess you could, I, I think of it in my mind as one is performance and one is a look or aesthetics. So uh, the second family that we're going to have that is, again, these are all based on testosterone, but how they took them is the nandrolone family or 19 nor testosterone. 19 nor testosterone. is DECA. So if you know any gear, people hear DECA and NPP. That's just nandrolone. Uh, NPP and DECA refer to the ester. And esters are just the, uh, I guess, the suspending compound for those hormones that make them either absorb and burn fast or slow. So nandrolone, or 19 nor testosterone, it was that next improvement. Uh, 19 nortestosterone derivatives include trembolone or tren, trestolone or mint, uh, sternobol, uh, oxybolone, which is not as hugely popular one, and then uh, mybrolone, also known as check drops, which is more, uh, you know, some people it's really popular more up north, I think, in the east. I don't know a lot of people here in California that use that, but I know people more in the north that use check drops. So all those are nandrolone derivatives. And uh, obviously TREN is a nandrolone derivative and TREN has a you know, huge reputation where it's a lot of strength, but also can have a lot of side effects. And just like anything, you know, and you, you abuse any compound, you abuse fucking aspirin or anything else, like, yeah, it's, it's, it's bad. And I'm not trying to you know, just directly compare uh, steroids to aspirin, but my point is that these are hormones that have been around since the 50s and have lots of studies done. They know how they how they react. Um, they know how they process in the body, and you know. So the, again, the idea is minimum dose, maximum effect, and, and we'll get into more of that. Uh, also, you know, as we continue on and go into these. I guess I should have done at the beginning, but disclaimer, like, I'm not a doctor. Um, this is all just anecdotal for the sake of, you know, uh, this um, entertainment, education, informational. So, yeah, let's put that in there. All right, going forward to the last family, and that is going to be DHT family, the dehydrotestosterone family. DHT derivatives include masteron, 
Primaboy, Anavar, Anadrol, Winstrol, Proviron, Superdrol, DHB. So obviously that's the biggest family with much different derivatives for much different, uh, you know, different tissue selectivity. That's probably the most tissue selective. The DHT also has a lot of DHEA based, you know, in the brain and whatnot. Uh, for that. So a lot of probably, you know, because Anavar on here and Primabolin, which are known to be the quote unquote safest, less side affected compounds that there are. Uh, Masteron has a really good um, you know, reputation as well. Anadrol, eh, I think it's, it's dependent on the person, but for the most part, good experiences there. Uh, Winnie, Winstrol, eh, no, it's a, that one doesn't have a great rep, but, you know, it dries you out. Yeah, but then Proviron, Proviron I, uh, I really like because Proviron is actually a very low, safe and low compound and actually works more like a highlighter. I think they find you get about 40 to 60% more efficacy and absorption of whatever other compound you're taking with Proviron because of that. Like it just helps the body process the uh, bioavailability, the free bioavailability of whatever you're taking. So if you're just taking just regular tests, and Proviron, you're going to absorb more bioavailability of your tests more efficaciously or whatever else you're taking. So Proviron works as a good highlighter. So there's much more specific functions. And I think, I'm pretty sure that's the in the order that they're made. Testosterone, 19 north testosterone, and then DHT, which would make sense that as they, you know, science evolved and got more specific, they became more effective on the different classes and making them more tissue selective and the different ratios, um, you know, the safety profiles, etc. So it makes sense. So there's your families. Now, going into my hypothesis, backstory of my hypothesis, and then well, I'll state it and then we'll give you the backstory. So my hypothesis is for those who run gear, those who run gear, not only oversaturate due to using too much as a whole, that their body actually doesn't actually get to process, but also overflooding their androgen receptors by oversaturating with those doubling up on those families. So obviously they're different. There's different compounds, but those different families are going to access different androgen receptors. So if a person is overflooding on their cycle with like the same family, they're overflooding that family's androgen receptor and essentially making like a clogged sink slowly draining and the body cannot process. So how this came up, I've noticed in friends that I witnessed and then also on myself. Um, the very first time that I saw perhaps this, what I would say is a muffled performance. I had a friend who did the USPA Nationals about two years ago. Uh, we were training partners, so I trained with him every day and he had a great prep. The guy had a great prep. He had a great qualifier before that. And then he had like six to eight months to prep for this nationals. And honestly, he didn't get hurt. He did well. He, you know, he had everything regular. Like he had, he had an ideal prep time for himself to be able, you know, to, to walk into this meet healthy and whatnot. But the day comes and he had a good meet. But it definitely what wasn't planned. Like what based off of his training, when you look at, you know, like prep and a peak and a taper and a program, he kind of kind of fell short a little bit. Like the day of, it's just kind of like, man, what happened? I've been, you know, I've been executing and training and just didn't seem to happen. And then when I talked to him about it afterwards, he's like, yeah, man, like I added in 
all this stuff into my cycle. I don't even feel like it helped. And that kind of stuck with me. Um, and then I kind of started seeing, like you would see, see people, you know, you follow on Instagram and whatnot. And those people have great preps. You see them just do these awesome singles and doubles and prep and they're just looking great. They're moving well. And the fucking day of, it looks like they're a wet blanket. You know, again, they still perform, but like, you're just like, man, that wasn't, kind of wasn't what I was expecting. I wonder what happened. All things the same. Like they didn't get hurt. You know, they like, yeah, cut went well or they don't cut or they went up and away. Like all this, all these good factors. What happened? Now, of course, meat days are meat days. There can be judging. There can be all these other factors. But, you know, for the most part, when I didn't hear about any of those other factors, it would make me wonder, like, okay, I wonder what is the actual issue going on? Like, I wonder if there's something more. Now, to my experience, which then kind of furthered it, um, last September, I had a meet. Um, it was up in Portland. So there was a little bit of travel there. I had a good prep. Obviously, this was during COVID. It was the first meet after you know, COVID and everything. I uh, went to the Kabuki Strength um, for their meet. But I had, you know, obviously, a long off-season. I actually had a really good training um, and all of that. And I went in feeling good. I didn't cut. I actually decided to go up a weight class because this is where I was sitting. Um, I hit everything in training. I had no missed reps in my prep. I ate. I slept. I got there early to adjust, like, like everything. And I was fine, like, even up to the day. Um, but leading up to that week in my what I was running, which was uh, I was running Sustanon, MPP, um, Anadrol, and what was I running at the time? Sustanon, Anadrol. And, um, oh, uh, for game day, I added in, uh, um, for like heavy, my last heavy singles, uh, pinning for a mint and then, um, halo now. Um, so you have, so I then, so that's, that's, so that's, that's what I had there. Um, you know, so I go into the day of, and I, you know, I pin the, you know, my last pin, which is a little bit of, uh, of MPP, uh, meant uh, TNE, so Tesno Ester, and Halo, and then the Androl, and uh, also uh, Provirin. So I also did have the Provirin there. So Provirin and Androl, same families. Halo, TNE, Sustanon, uh, same families, and then MPP, MPP which was Nandrolone. Um, but Nandrolone is a very close. Related, so nandrolone and testosterone, though they're not on the same receptor, they share partial, um, and obviously provirin and androl. So, going into the meat, I felt you know I was like, oh, oh, and then uh, the mint, mint is nandrolone based. So I had MPP and the nandrolone and the mint, which is the same family. So I doubled up. So I had added these compounds, doubled, uh, technically tripled for the testosterone family, and doubled in the DHT family. Um, and then come like, come that day, yeah, like I just started warming up and everything just felt weird. It just felt off. I had no reason to. I wasn't sore. I wasn't tired. You know, like the fuck. You know, just wasn't fucking clicking. And, you know, and so then uh, that meat went, was trash. Like, it, you know, like I got through the meat. I didn't bomb out, but it was trash. I literally ended up 
getting through by hitting the same numbers that I did in training. No PR is like just just kind of meh. I was just there. Um, and for someone who doesn't even have a qualifying, totally, like that really sucks. I was actually hoping to qualify. Like with the numbers I should have hit, I should have been able to qualify for you know USP nationals and, you know, and didn't. That sucked. So, and again, this isn't an excuse. It's more of me trying, like I looked for context. Like, okay, what do I, what happened? Do I can learn from that? So I don't do that next time, you know? Um, and it took a while and I was like, and then I, I did, when I started learning about this, I started realizing like, hey, maybe there's something there that I bogged down my body. So if you know anything about like immunotherapy, for like just your immune system, like when you're sick, if you, you know, if you, you just have a cold, you're not fully sick, but you go to the gym, you feel like a wet blanket. You're like, man, I'm stronger than this. Something I can do for five, I did for like two or three. And I struggled, my body's not clicking. Like we've all been there. And that's because of the, the overall burden of your immune system, your limbic system, you know, lymphatic system is higher. And so therefore it's, you know, it's like your body can only process so much stress and so much data in general. And so if it's working on, you know, fighting off something in your immune system, um, you know, sleep deprived, you know, low cal- whatever it is, your body is not going to operate. And that led me to make the connection that maybe it is the same if you oversaturate your receptors. Um, you know, obviously, if you're someone who chronically, get, you know, is on gear, even if you responsibly, like, that's a lot of stimulus, like, that's going into your receptors. And then, if you, through your cycle, if you're in a prep cycle, you slowly start to up your dosage, but you up it real soon, like, within the last couple, like, you know, week or going into your meat, like, it takes about a week for your body to adjust to a new hormone influx or even a different hormone altogether. So then you add that stressor on top of your body. And now you basically just kind of overloaded or backlogged your body's processing of these hormones. And so it's no wonder like you weren't able to execute and operate as sharp as you wanted to. It's too heavy. You're just like, you know, moving through mud essentially. So the flooding or oversaturation of the androgen due to the over the doubling up of you know families. I know I've heard a lot of people like they run, they'll run DECA, they'll run trend. They're like, oh, a DECA makes me feel better, my joints, and then you run the trend really strong, but it's like they're both nandrolone based. I mean, yeah, they're slightly different, but they're working on the same receptor, especially for those who take a lot. Like I really don't. For, for if anyone knows that I run, I run. I pin three to four times a week and I run very small amounts um, because again, I, from what I have seen and understood, I'm actually going to bring up the study here in a second that, um, you know, after about six weeks, you're not really getting a whole lot of return um, on, on that. And then again, more isn't always better. The body can only handle about 125 milligrams of, in it of uh, anabolic drug burden a day. If you're taking so much that your drug burden on a daily milligram is higher than that, then it's waste. And just so you know, anabolics that are in waste aromatize. So then that's where you get side effects. You know, it's like it's more isn't always better. You know, people will like blast. It's like maybe your body uses it. Maybe it doesn't. But it's, it's you know, it's about the mix. So a really interesting study that was done. And I have these links, and whenever I post about this, um, you know, I'll make sure that I, I have them to share. 
Also, so you can look at it yourself. There was a study done for androgen therapy on, on HIV-positive men who have muscle wasting. So they have an active autoimmune disease, actively, you know, muscle, uh, no, give, you know uh, they're fighting against muscle wasting and weight loss. And yeah, so it's, it's an active thing that they're dealing with. They put them on eight weeks of 100 milligrams of testosterone and 20 milligrams of NFR a day. So 100 milligrams of testosterone, I'm sorry, a week, and then 20 milligrams of NFR a day, which is 120 a week of NFR. That's it. It's 240 milligrams total weekly, uh, you know, load, anabolic load. Now, there was another study by the New England Journal of Medicine where they did healthy men. And both of these studies, I think, was about 20 people, 20-ish people. Uh, they did healthy guys in their 20s and 30s. 600 milligrams of test a week and a very normal cycle for a man, uh, well, common, like the most common knowledge would be 300 to 500 a week, anywhere up to 700. And then if they're really big, maybe they do a gram and that's crazy. But um, so 600, so they're doing 600 a week for 10 weeks. And these are healthy guys with resistance training. Both of these did resistance training, both had diet control and resistance training in both of these studies. So the 600 milligram of test uh, healthy guys, after 10 weeks, they got a six kilogram increase in muscle mass, six. Now the HIV positive men with active muscle wasting with the 100 a week of test and 20, 120 a week of Anovar had seven kilogram muscle mass increase in eight. So they're two weeks shorter. They have a handicap because they are HIV positive and they have an active muscle, like autoimmune disease, but they had a greater load or increase. Um, so what that looked like to me, so their ratio was their test, they had two families, you know, they had test and Anavar. So they had two families working, not just one, like the other study had one. It was lower, 100 and then 120. So the, the DHT family, the Anavar, was slightly higher than the test base. And then they literally had active muscle wasting to work against. Like it's not even like they were also were healthy. Like they have a, handy, a, a actual handicap. Uh, so to me, uh, what I took from that, when you compare these, is that, yeah, more isn't better. The stacking, like doing a st proper stacking of more tissue selective compounds. But, you know, uh, again, tests being the most primitive because it was the first but you still need it. Test is great because you do you need it for your estradiol. So you don't want low test, but like probably 100 to 150 milligrams is great. So just have that base so your body is converting proper estradiol. And then add your other compounds. But again, you don't need a whole lot, but probably either, you know, meeting or just exceeding the amount of the test. And uh, total, you know, it depends on like what you're stacking. So I did also test this on myself. My last meet, which went really good, I was only doing 150 milligrams of test a week. Um, I added um, 50 milligrams of, of Tren for the last, let's say six to eight weeks, maybe six. And then Anadrol, which I did for uh, about eight, and that was 150 a week, but it was one tablet. It's a 50 milligram tablet that I took uh, for um, only on heavy days. So before going to training 
on on my, my heavy you know, squat bench and deadlift days. So that's a, a you know a total drug burden of of let's see one you know one fifty and you know, two so three a total drug burden a week of three fifty and um, you know obviously split up and you know not again so we had my test family Nangelone family DHT family that was it that was it and then come game day I only I pinned just a very very small little extra amount of trend. Because it was trend A, so it was a little bit fast. Um, and then I took 80 milligrams instead of 50 of Enadrol. And that's it. Uh, that was it. And I felt fucking great, honestly. Like, I had the best meat that I had, even though it was sleeves. And I, you know, I'm not as good in sleeves. But I went nine for nine, and I, I was able to execute. Like, I didn't feel bogged down. And I had the best, I mean, I, I think I was in the best size holding and everything that I had and using less overall than I did in the previous cycle. So, you know, again, less, a lot of times can be more. It's just what you're balancing with it. Like, what are you using to, you know, to these complementive androgens? And that when you go into game day, a lot of people just, they take a lot on game day, but they should probably give them about themselves probably the last three to four weeks of introducing your game day substances and like using them in training to allow your body to really, uh, you know, adapt to them, but again, also balancing the families. If you double up on the families, you're doubling the strain on your receptor, which, again, that's going to uh, that that overall drug load burden on the on your on your body's just action is going to be less. Like it's gonna it's gonna hamper. It's gonna hinder performance potentially. So. Yeah, and I've and I've just I've seen others. I've seen other uh, I know other people who just have a great prep and they just you know they add stuff in and it's just like they there's no balance to that. And you got to think these things do interact and they do absorb in the body, um, and so it's just not always about more, but it's about the proper balance. Because it's like, would you rather not be in the one study where it's like you did 100 a week of test, 120 of anivar, 240 total? Sorry, yeah, two 220. Uh, milligrams a week drug burden total, or do you want that 600 milligrams drug burden a week? Because again, in the long run, the overall obviously health, you know, uh, you know, of the body, less strain on the organs, like all that stuff that comes, like less, less is more. So uh, with this, I hope you did maybe for your own information, for your own thoughts to chew on. You know, everyone has their own anecdotal stuff. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying here are the conjectures that I've pulled. These are all actually based on studies and then my own evidence, my own self-experimentation. And I, I definitely have felt a lot better going forward. And I've stayed with this, you know, this theory of balancing the families, um, you know, keeping uh, them relatively low. Um, like I said, I still am only doing 125 to 150 a test. And I just, whatever I add on top of that, I make sure the families are balanced and they're not much more. So, um, like I think right now, like right now, I just I switched from doing 150 a test, uh, sorry, two, two, just under 200 a test, um, 50 of trend, 50 of master on a week. So, yeah, very, you know, very little. And now we're switching to I'm um, doing about just say about 150, 175 test with um, 90 milligrams a week or so of. Uh, Nangelone, Deca, so Deca, 
and then about 30, 60, about 90 to 100 milligrams of Primo. That's it. So again, each of those families is covered, um, you know, a little, matching or a little bit lower than a test. Um, and yeah, I'm going to keep seeing. But so far, that's better progress in the offseason as well. And just pay attention. Like when you see people and you see like, man, they had a good prep. How come they didn't show up at the meet? All other things considered. If there are obviously maybe some obvious stuff like an injury, getting bad calls or you know, something happened, like, well, yeah, okay. We'll say that that's obvious. But all else barred, um, you know, that uh, I, I, would, I would love to kind of start to bring parallels to people's story when they're adding in different compounds. If they're doubling up overloading those similar receptors probably not caring for the receptors by the way which is you know um best way to care for your receptors that is actually shown is carnitine dopamacuna or l-dopa and um cinnamon so those three those three uh compounds in a therapeutic dose actually shown to increase in uh, androgen receptor efficacy and sensitivity so yeah that's my my theory for you all we'd love to hear um you know feedback maybe different stories of you guys different things you found other studies like yeah, these are two studies um, that i found and i you know pulled those conjectures from if you got ones that you know of please send them um and we'd love to hear from you so uh, it's friday and i'm gonna be posting this today also so have a great weekend happy friday um the showdown is coming up soon so i hope everyone watches that and maybe we'll be doing an episode uh covering what we found so all right, y'all. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Nicholas, the Nerds Who Live podcast. See you next time.